0: I had a few days off this week. We went and sat by a lake. And it's not often I get to sit by a lake. But those of you who know me fairly well would realise I'm a fairly busy guy. And so true confessions this week, God spoke to me about how busy I am. And everybody said, yay, amen, finally. Um, those who, who serve on the board with me. It's about time God spoke to you about how busy you are. But last week we talked about ploughing up the the... the, the, the the fallow ground that that over the last two years of COVID, our lives have been made fallow. We've been most of us have been running on the spot. Some of us have been still running, but just we haven't been really getting anywhere because of the nature of the society in which we live. And many of you responded to that and said, "Lord, I want to be broken before you." But perhaps the next step for me, and maybe for many of you, was to slow down and actually start listening to God. I feel like sometimes I say to the Lord, you know. I know you're speaking out there, but I just can't hear you because of all the other noises. Is anybody else like that? All the other voices in your head and all around you. So God has continued to challenge me about the speed at which I run my life. And I've got to tell you, I have not arrived in in knowing God and and serving the Lord in this way. I struggle because I love to be busy. Does anybody here like to be busy? Yeah. I I just don't like being idle. And so... um, I was doing a little bit of research and I realized that the speed of light is 299,792,458 meters per second and I my life's often faster than that so you know if you are a busy person I believe the Lord has something he's going to speak to our hearts this morning he certainly has been speaking to my heart you know some of, some of you tell me that you've got busy, frantic lives and you look at my life and you say you're busy and frantic, but I just believe if you, if you don't do something about this, you're going to fall apart at some point. That's what everyone's telling me and I believe that's true. Do you believe that? We weren't built to run at the pace of 20th century life. I'm the kind of guy who's always in a hurry. Um, I may seem to thrive on it, but perhaps long-term it's actually hurting me. Have you ever driven long dis- distances? And you will know if you're a guy that there's this thing in your head that says you've got to get to the next town in a certain amount of time am i right and the women are going but look the children need to go to the toilet you know we can't we just no give them a bucket we are heading to this place in this period of time and and nobody's made us do it we have this in our head am i right guys I don't know why we have it in our head, but we have we have a hidden timetable within us, and so we press on and and just put everybody through you know mayhem to get there. And I'm the first to admit that I have terrible trouble slowing down. I'm a Type A sort of you know high achieving sort of guy. I have trouble sleeping. Does anybody have trouble sleeping? I do. I can't turn my brain off. Um, it, it just I, when you get quiet, sometimes your brain doesn't get the memo, and it's pounding away in your head and everything else. I'm, my body's trying to be still. And then people say, well, maybe you should count sheep. I tried that. I keep weighing them up and figuring out how much I can invest them for and how much money. I, you know, my brain doesn't switch off. How much yield is this wool going to give us from the sheep? You know, and, and people say pray. Everyone who prays falls asleep in their prayer. But it doesn't seem to work either. Neuroscientists tell us that a consistent pattern of overworking can impact the neurochemistry in your brain over time the body becomes accustomed to the hormones and chemicals that drive you and we can develop a kind of dependency on them in fact many business top business executives who live in intense environments have actually developed get this a clinical adrenaline addiction and i read that and the lord said hey that might be you and i said i don't know give me some more adrenaline and i'll let you know you know I don't know about you, but I want to be here. I'm not just here for a good time. I'm here for a long time as well. And I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. <coughs> I want our church to grow and prosper. But I don't want Ignite. I mean, Ignite should be an eternal flame, not a flash in the pan. You know? And, and if, if, if we all run ourselves ragged, then it's not going to be like that. So, what about you? Are you? I I talk to people. I say, Are you spending time with the Lord? They said, Well, I would, but I don't have enough time. I can't. You know, I don't have that kind of time. And God's showing me that you make time for what is important to you. And sometimes you you can keep all the balls in the air for a a period of time, but at some point they will all start dropping down. Am I right? So, this morning, if you have a Bible open to Acts chapter nineteen, I'm going to look at an an interesting. passage you, probably in a way you've not seen it before but i don't want to live my my life at the speed of light anymore and i've got to find time to to slow down there is a train in china that fiona and i went on called the bullet train and you'll say bullet is but it is it's a bullet train and it's it's really cool because it travels from beijing to shanghai which is 1500 kilometers and it does it in under 5 hours isn't that incredible? So if you calculate it out, I think it's running about 320 kilometres an hour. But here's the incredible thing. When you're in that train, you can't even hear anything. It's so far it like, and, and, and it's so quiet and you walk around and everything looks normal. And that's what stress is like, folks. You can live in it and you think it's normal. You're not even aware of it, that you're travelling at 300 and something kilometres an hour. You're just standing there thinking this is very nice, it's very quiet, very relaxing, it's very good but, but your life is hurtling along like that. Before we get to that passage I mentioned before, if you know Romans chapter 12 verse 2, we know this verse very well. It says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, it didn't say removing of your mind, it said renewing. Some Pentecostals see that differently, they think you got to throw your brain away but No renewing of your mind that you may test and discern what is god's will the good and acceptable and perfect will of god so if you want to know god's will you need to not conform and you need to renew your mind the word conform in greek is the word systems if you like and it means molded or squeezed into the pattern of the world now, I've always thought that's meant sin. It means that you shouldn't sin because the pattern of the world is sin. But what if the pattern of the world is just the pace of it? What if, if, if it says, do not conform to the pattern of the world? And the pattern is that we run ourselves ragged and we try and get more and more and more and more and more stuff and we work ourselves into the ground. Maybe that's the pattern that it's talking about not being conformed to. Maybe we need our minds renewed to stop running at the pace that we see the rest of the world running at. Galatians 5.25 says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And some, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I sometimes am not in step with the Spirit. I'm generally not behind, I'm generally way in front, shouting back at, 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 at the Spirit of God, saying, Come on, catch up. What's wrong with you? Here we are. Is anybody else like that? But here is the thing. Even if you win the rat race, you're still just a rat. You can have a test. You can have a a rat test and see if you're a rat. There you go. (laughs) One bar means you're a rat. Two means you've got COVID. (coughs) So perhaps this is the perfect time. (coughs) Look, honestly, coming off COVID... We were forced to lock down. We were forced to, to change the way we did things. And then we all said, I remember having conversations with people saying, we don't want to go back to the way it was beforehand. Did you have that conversation? I'm going to do it differently from this point on. But some of us have found ourselves just jumping straight back on the horse. So let me tell you, it's a little bit of architecture for you this morning. The island of Manhattan is almost solid granite. Did you know that? It's almost solid granite, because skyscrapers, it's covered in skyscrapers, but it's almost solid granite. It's very hard, strong type of rock, and it carries the weight of 75 or 100 storey high skyscrapers. Now, the builders, when they build this, they they, they put down what are called piles, which are concrete or steel columns that are hammered into the ground until they penetrate solid rock. Some buildings, especially the big ones, have piles that are some 25 storeys deep. That's how they, how they can hold the building up. And together they support the, the, the building's enormous structure. Here's the thing. You can't go high if you don't go deep. This is what the Lord's been saying to me. I'm guessing he's saying it to many of you. You can't go high with the Lord until you go deep. Because when you put your roots down deep, that is when you can start to reach for the clouds. You cannot be someone great for God until you are someone great with God. So if we get back to the book of Acts I was telling you about, chapter 19, you might be familiar with this, I'm going to read from verse 13, it's about a a, a few Jewish itinerant exorcists who got a great idea, let's have a read, verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the... Uh, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, and they tried to cast demons out by Jesus' name. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named uh, Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom there was the evil spirit leapt on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked, naked and wounded. See, these guys were religious, and they had a great idea. They, they could see all the power and the, the fame and all this cool stuff that Paul was doing. They thought, that's a great idea. He's just invoking this name of Jesus. Maybe that's the magic words. Maybe if we say, in the name of Jesus, we can cast demons out like he's doing. And the reason, well, it can't be that hard. You just name it. You just use that name and you cast them out. That's all he seems to do. Must be pretty easy. And this this whole attitude, it still exists today. We'll just blab it and grab it. We'll just claim it in the name of Jesus. and be, you know. But here's the thing. When they tried to do it, the demons turned on them. Why? Because they knew Paul and they knew Jesus, but they didn't know these guys because these guys did not have a relationship with, with, with the Lord. They had no relationship to back up the words. And when we find ourselves wanting the ministry impact of Jesus while simultaneously resisting spending time with Jesus, we are in a position, we are opening ourselves up for a beating. And I don't, knew, I don't know about you, but I do not want to run out of the house naked and bleeding. Not a pleasant sight. And that's what happened to these guys. Because what they were trying to do was not rooted in reality. They didn't know the one whose name they were invoking. And so I think, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that guy. We, we've seen so much, if you've been around this church for a little bit, we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle both here and in Lily House. Just over the last little while in Lily House, and you know someone gave 700000 um, for us to, to purchase the property from the church. And then we, we were short. We've been borrowing money to, to build over there. We were short 70000 Someone else gave that. In the end, because council keeps changing the rules and things have gone up and stuff. In the end, we were twenty some, some 20000 plus short. And someone gave that. We are seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. We're seeing it in the church. But the thing is, with all of these miracles around and people coming to Christ and all that sort of stuff, it is directly proportional to our relationship with Jesus. We have to realize this. If you, if you say, well, I don't really want to spend time with the Lord, but I want to do all these awesome things, you're having yourself on. Because it has to be built on the relationship. We cannot get close to Jesus in a hurry. Here's the thing. You're in a hurry, but God's got all eternity. But we're in a hurry. I always wanted to. Honestly, God cooks things in a crock pot, not a microwave. And it drives me mad. I I would love the microwave thing. Let's just hit the button in two minutes. I can have whatever I want. Would you love that? I heard they invented a microwave TV. You can watch the show 60 minutes in 30 seconds. It's incredible. (laughs) But but you know we want stuff fast all the time, and and God seems to slow us down all the time. So I want to share with you. We spent a couple of days, um, Fiona and I, sitting by a lake looking at water, and I want to share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart because I'm guessing that for some of you this is going to ring true as well. And I believe we've got the, this is the greatest opportunity in history, not only for the gospel but for us to not do what we did B.C. before COVID. You know, we, 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 can, we can do it better this time by taking the time and seeking the Lord in the right way. Do I hear an amen to that? So even if you're not as driven or insane as I am, I want to encourage you to examine your heart as we go through these and just see what God's saying to you. What's it like to slow down? What is God after? He's after a bunch of things. The first one is rest. Our bodies and our minds need Rest. We cannot run at a pace forever. We just can't. If you've ever been through burnout, you realize it's not a pretty sight. We need to stop, to disengage from the world, and to rest, do we not? COVID lockdowns have made us do it. And frankly, some of us, you know, some of I, I loved all the introverts during COVID. Beauty, a lockdown. Awesome. <coughs> I was talking to uh, uh, Lisa during the weekend and her daughter Jessie. There was a COVID thing at their their school and she tested positive to COVID. So they're in isolation at the moment. But Jessie is an introvert. And so the prospect of spending a week isolated from everybody in a room with a computer is not so bad, you know. So the introverts love it. But the extroverts went out of their brain with this stuff. We need to stop and disengage from the world and we need to rest. COVID made us do it, but some of us have just jumped straight back in the saddle. And this world is going to make you get busy. We've got to find ways to disengage. Most of what we read in the Bible about Jesus, (coughs) Colin spoke about it this morning, are in the last three years of his life. There is pretty much a 30-year gap at the start of his life we know very little about. Most of what we learn about Jesus is that last three years. That means 10% of his life was in ministry and 90% was in obscurity. Do you think about that? And even when he was in ministry this was his pattern he would go out he would minister then he would take time apart mark 135 you know he would go out to a, to a lonely place and spend time with the lord then he'd minister again then he'd take time apart he took time to rest so god is so ser- god is so serious about rest about us resting he is so serious about it he put it in the 10 commandments think about that for a minute exodus 20 <coughs> Verses 8 to 10 says this, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Six days you get to work, but the last one is his. He put it in the Ten Commandments. It's right in there with do not murder and do not steal and do not covet and stuff. It's the second commandment. But we want to work 24-7, even if it kills us. The issue for us, the issue about the Sabbath, and let me be very frank about this, there's two ways people go. God says, I want you to have a Sabbath, and we go to either of two extremes. We're either too legalistic or we're too licentious. What is the legalism? Legalism is where the Jews went. They started inventing laws to force people to do it and it became legalistic. And there are so many Jewish laws and rules that have been written down about this. Stuff like, um, it's to modify behaviour, but stuff like you're not allowed to look into the mirror on the Sabbath because you might see a grey hair and pluck it out and that's work. (laughs) I'm not kidding. There are actual rules like this. I even heard about a Jewish hospital in New York that every Sabbath, it, the elevator just automatically stops at every floor, like, like an all station sort of thing. Because that way they don't have to press a button, which would be work, on the Sabbath. That's legalism, isn't it? And human beings are great on legalism. We love to go down that, that way. But the other way which we tend to go is we tend to say, well, I'm so busy, God, I can't really afford. And so we're, we just take license with it all the time. Well, I know you say I should have a Sabbath, but have you seen how much work I've got to do? I've got to fit all this stuff in. And so I, I myself, and I'm guessing many of you, have gone this way. Fiona and I take a day off. What do we do on our day off? Shop for groceries. Clean stuff. Cook stuff. Make stuff. Mow lawns, you know, catch up with... We spend our day off catching up with all the things we couldn't do for the rest of the time because we couldn't fit them in because we're too busy. What's wrong with us? Your Sabbath should be rest and also reconnecting with God and with those that you love. So what should you do on the Sabbath? Does it mean you have to sit in a room and pray for the whole of the Sabbath? You could. <coughs> But I think God gets a real kick when we get out and enjoy his creation, don't you? Why not go for a walk? Why not go down to a lake or climb a mountain or, you know, I don't know, jump out of a plane? I never want to jump out of a plane, just saying. Um, But, you know, do something fun that's in nature when you can experience nature. Why not do some hobbies? Why not just sit down and have a meal with friends or watch a good movie? Just enjoy life. Just don't fill it up with work. That's what a Sabbath is. You want to get practical? That's what you can do. Hang out with friends, hang out with family. Come year apart, if, or come year apart. If you don't, you will. And I don't want to be the guy that falls apart a year down the track because I couldn't stop long enough. Now, I found a very interesting verse in 2 Chronicles 36. I want you to have a look at this because this is fascinating. It's talking about the people of Judah going into exile in Babylon. It's 2 Chronicles uh, 36, verse 20 and 21. Listen to what it says. I'll read it and then explain it because this is absolutely fascinating. <coughs> it says this, He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped the sword and they became servants to him and his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Listen to this. Until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. Until the land had enjoyed its Sabbath. Then it says this. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. That verse is saying that people went into exile for a period of time that equaled the amount of Sabbaths they had abused previously. Isn't that interesting? This verse suggests that, that, that there are consequences to missing the Sabbath. There are consequences to not observing that law. And if we consistently ignore this commandment, we will eventually suffer for it. At some point, you will have to pay the piper. At some point, if you run at a pace your whole life, at some point, you will fall apart and you will have to pay for all of that stuff that you've done beforehand. I was shocked when I read this because it really speaks to me. I've got a list this long. I'm really a bit concerned of the number of times that I have worked when I should have been relaxing and resting in the Lord. Number two is the chance to reconnect. See, it's not enough to just stop and cease work or to sleep or to collapse. We have to prioritize using our time to connect with God. There's a very famous verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says this, you will know this well. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And eat with him and he with me. You're familiar with that verse? That famous verse, Jesus standing at the door and knocking. We use that a lot in evangelism. We say, the Lord is speaking to you now and he's standing at the door and knocking. You just need to open the door. There's a very famous painting. um, But the door... there's a door that Jesus is knocking at but there's no no handle on it because the handle's on the inside you have to open the door and let him in and we use this in evangelism all the time but folks (coughs) if you look at that verse that was not written to unbelievers that was written to the church of Laodicea it was written to Christians Jesus had to say to Christians hey I'm standing outside knocking what are you up to in there Jesus was felt on the outside because they were so busy. Now the church at Laodicea was busy, it was growing, it was prosperous. It was sort of a a mid-Asian mega church back then. It looked really great. But previously in that very chapter, Jesus described these people as being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, therefore I want to spit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. That's a pretty big context to put that verse in. That if we're not taking time to connect with God, we make him sick. We need to treat this seriously. And if, we are, if life is so busy and there is so much noise going through our head, we cannot hear him and we cannot hear his gentle knocking. I think some of us need to slow down and listen for that knock, don't you? I'm preaching. I might as well put a mirror here. I'm preaching to myself. See, God is in a hurry. Sorry, God is not in a hurry. He's waiting for you to slow down enough to reconnect with Him. One of the most famous, one of my favorite, and one of the most famous Psalms ever written, Psalm 23, you know it well. People recite this when they're in trouble. But what does it say? What do the words say? What does this this psalm actually mean? Listen to the first three verses, and you will hear the heart of David and the heart of God beating through these verses. Listen to this The Lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake that is a verse about peace and rest that is a verse about connecting with god and that is a verse that i gloss over but i should listen to that is speaking to us he restores our soul He leads us beside still waters. I just spent a couple of days sitting beside still waters. And I could feel my whole body start to come down in pace. And then start to step up again as we came back to modern living. The third thing is relationship. See, God doesn't want us to just be human beings. He wants uh, human doings. He wants us to be human beings. He has always wanted relationship, not religion. So if you look back at the Ten Commandments, immediately after he put the ten, he gave the people the Ten Commandments, the very next part of that, that passage, Moses encourages the people to get close to God and have a relationship, but they were afraid. Verse 19 of Exodus 20. You speak to us, they said to Moses, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said <coughs> to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that, that the fear of him may be in you, that you may not sin. But the people stood afar off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The people said, man, he's scary. You go and talk to him and come back and tell us what to do and we'll do it. And at that point, they chose rules over relationship. At that point, they said, you know what? We just want to do this stuff. We don't want to actually meet him. We don't want to actually connect with him. We would rather just choose rules. And ever since then, we've had religion, which is a bunch of rules to try and get you to connect with God. But if you have religion, and there's nothing wrong with much of religion, but if you have religion and you have no relationship, you have nothing. You've got vain conceit. You've got, a, you've got the egg of a shell, but there's no life inside of it. Deuteronomy 5, verse 21. It says this, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear it and do it. Go and give us rules, Moses. We don't want to connect with God. We're too scared. And I believe God is calling us not just to rest, not just to reconnect with Him, but to go deeper, to have a deeper personal relationship with Him. How do you do that? How do you connect with God? You start by opening His Word and reading His Word. That's why we say, Do the Bible reading plan. Many of us are doing this. We're doing it together. It's incredible. Just yesterday, God spoke to me something in my Bible reading plan. I I read it in the morning. Within two hours, I could enact that. He he spoke to me something very specific about yesterday. Within a couple of hours, I was actually in the position where that that verse was very meaningful. God speaks out of his his word. (coughs) Do I hear an amen to that? See, many of us are together, doing that together. But but whatever you can, try and and have a relationship with God. Come into church. If you come to church, you have relationships with others, yes, but you can also deepen your relationship with Him. It's about relationships. Um, Fiona read something on Facebook uh, yesterday, I think it was. It said, um, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? And the answer is no. You can be a Christian and not go to church. Now, you can connect online and shout out to you guys up there. But you can be a Christian and not go to church. You can. Because your salvation is by faith, by grace. It's not depending on you doing anything. But it's not normal to be a Christian and not be connected to a fellowship. You can be married and not live together. You're still officially married. But what sort of relationship do you have? Nothing. Right? You need to be present to have relationship. It's about relationship. It's not just about a bunch of rules to obey. Now, the fourth thing is, we're still on the letter R here, the fourth thing is to be rooted. Our outer life should be a reflection of our inner life. You can make a decision right now. You can say, Lord, I, I want to get serious about really devoting my life to you, and you can send your roots right down deep here and draw upon his endless supplies. A tree with a shallow root system might look beautiful on the outside. It might be alive still, but it is incapable of producing the amount of fruit it should if its roots are not deep enough. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. I love this verse too. It's an awesome verse. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear, does not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious for the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You see, people say, how do you handle all the troubles in life? You don't fear those things when your roots are down deep. And when you sink your roots down deep, you can draw on the things of God. You can face anything that life dishes up, because your roots are deep. But if your roots are are shallow and not deep you can like life holds a lot of fear out there but when we sink our roots down we can draw upon him so do you want to prosper in all you do i do do you want to do you want to bear fruit i do then sink your roots down deep and get a really strong prosperous tree has as much underneath the ground in its root system as it has above it's the same amount down there as what you see above the surface and that's an incredible thing. Colossians two, verse six to seven says this Therefore as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith that you were taught to abound in thanksgiving. Colin shared this morning over communion. How could Jesus not be mad when Judas is there and he's having a meal with them? How can he have such a a, a, a thankful relationship? Because Jesus, he was connected to God. His roots. He was connected to the Father. His roots went down deep. He could love in the face of all that adversity. He could show love. Why? Because his roots were deep in, in in God. He was God. He is God. The fifth thing is. We can rest, reconnect, have a relationship, be deeply rooted. But here's the most important. Now you might have you might have to change a thing. You might have decided to change a thing or two coming off COVID, but. You might say, well, I'll read the Bible a bit more and that sort of stuff. But nothing is going to replace actually remaining in him, abiding in him. If we're going to see our church community grow and prosper for generations, we have to remain in him. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 11 says this, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Lamentations 3.25, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And see, abiding in God is seeking God. Perhaps the greatest illustration is John 15. Jesus used this illustration so beautifully himself. I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. We don't like it when we hear that. We don't want to be pruned. you want to be pruned? It's painful when you cut back. It's painful when bits are chopped off you. But the purpose, the reason he prunes us is to make us more fruitful. He doesn't put you through stuff. He doesn't make you face the things you face in your life just to give you a hard time. He does it because you can be more fruitful if he prunes you back. So as a branch cannot bear fruit in itself, unless it abides in the vine, Jesus said, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If you want to bear fruit in your life, and I'm not just talking about doing things for Jesus, I'm talking about having a relationship that that others look at and go, wow, look at that, that's incredible. I'm talking about bearing fruit in your families, in your homes, in your finances, everywhere. If you want to bear fruit in your life, you need to stay attached to the vine, you need to abide. Do hear an amen to that. So my challenge to you today is a simple question. Are you abiding in him? Are you remaining in him? Or are you too busy to abide in him? Are you too distracted to deepen your walk with God? Remaining or abiding means every moment of every day living in his presence, sharing every moment with him. Have you been in that situation where you've met someone and God's spoken to you and you've been able to actually, you know, live in that moment and connect with him? Have you been in that situation because that's, you know, even right now, it's real easy to get distracted, isn't it? How many of you know that? We are getting to the, the business end of things here, and the enemy will like nothing better than distracting you right now and say, Well, don't, don't listen to that guy. There's more interesting things going on. Well, I think, devil, you're exposed. Because God is in the business of. Of connecting with us. yeah. Um, Afterwards, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. God wants to spend every moment of every day with you. The highs, the lows. He wants to spend all of those times with you. He wants to connect with you this morning. That's why we're doing all this at the moment. Because it's stopping you from concentrating. And I believe that God wants you to connect. It's suddenly quiet. God wants you to connect with him this morning and he'll do whatever he can to stop that, whatever he can to distract you, to deflect you. He wants to share it all with you. See, I'm, I'm praying that God will ignite a fire within you. When you light a fire, think about it. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think I'm a latent pyromaniac. I just love fires. You may not know this, the reason that, that we call, I was praying about what we should call our church at one point. And we had several names. And, and I, I, we went camping and I lit a fire and this incredible wind came up and nearly burned the entire campsite down. And God said, ignite. I went, <laughs> yes. So I really like fire. But when you build a fire, here's the thing. The spaces between the wood are as important as the wood. If you pack it too tight, the wood won't burn. It won't catch. And you won't have a fire. If you leave gaps, it will ignite and burn properly. Let me read you a poem as I wrap it up here by a lady called Ju- Judy Brown. This is beautiful. Listen to this. Why don't you close your eyes and think about this? You know, we, we've sort of been distracted here for a few minutes. Let's close our eyes and think about this. Listen to what she says. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs, a breathing space. Too much of a good thing, too many logs packed in too tight can douse the flames, almost as surely as a a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between as much as to the wood. When we're able to build open spaces in the same way we have learned to pile on the logs, then we can come to see how it is fuel and the absence of fuel together that makes fire possible. We only need to lay a log lightly from time to time. A fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. See, God loves you so much that he wants you to abide in him, to, to live in him, to remain in him. He loves you so much he wants to connect with him and have relationship with him and be rooted in him. He loves you so much he doesn't want you to kill yourself running yourself into the ground. It's the space between that gives us the opportunity to burn. We love that verse in Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But we forget the next few verses. It says this, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's abiding. He promised that to the Jewish exiles. And he promised that to you and I today. But it starts with a conscious decision to change. To say, you know, I'm going to turn away from this fast-paced life and I'm going to make time. I'm going to make a conscious... If you don't make time, it won't happen. Because trust me, there's enough in this world to fill every single waking moment and then some. Maybe it's time to turn off the news, to disconnect from Facebook, to reconnect with God and purposely place margins or gaps in our time schedule that allows the flames to grow. Is anyone with me? This is what God's saying to me. I believe he's saying it to all of us. We can still grow as a church without working ourselves into the ground because we can build margins and space into it. And if we do this, I believe God's promise to us is we will bear fruit beyond our imagination. If you choose to slow slow down and abide in him today, you'll not only get to do it for a long time, but you get to do it for an awesome time as well. So I want to challenge you this morning. Will you commit with me to taking time to rest? God's spoken this to me. I'm guessing he's speaking it to many of you. Do you want to run at a pace or do you want to take some time out because God, I believe, speaks into those spaces in our life. Will you commit to, before God to allowing space to breathe and glow, grow closer to him? Just bow your heads in prayer. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search us, O God, right now. Search us, because we know many of us. The thing about running at a pace, it's like that bullet train. You don't even know you're moving. It feels normal. But God is speaking to our hearts right now. His Spirit is just putting his finger on this area and just saying, will you honor the Sabbath? Will you spend that time with me? Just as every head is bowed, as every, every eye is closed, I want to ask you directly a question. Are you too busy? And are you willing to make space for your Lord in your life? I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. If you are a a busy person and you know you're running at a pace, maybe even a frantic pace, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. We're not going to bring you forward, but I know God's speaking to many here. If you're that busy person, just stand where you are. Come on, don't be frightened. I'm standing. I don't want to be the only one. I know many of us are like that. We're so busy. There's so much on. This is your moment. I believe there's more here. God's speaking to you. If you're that busy person, I'm not saying you you don't like being busy. I like being busy. but, But you're just running at a pace. We'll just take a few moments. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. And the Lord is going to minister to us this morning where we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow straight. I know I know the you know we sing those words so easily turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth growing strangely dim but we don't live those life those lines we just sing them we say them and I know God's speaking to more I believe there's more here you need to just say Lord I'm really busy and I want to make space we're just going to sing it through once more I'm going to ask you if that is you just listen to the voice of God and stand and if you can't hear him you're probably too busy so take this, just just settle your heart now. Just have that peace that passes all understanding. Just, just rest upon you and ask him right now. Am I too busy? How do I respond? We're just going to sing it through another couple of times, and I believe God's going to speak to our hearts. It's time for us to unburden ourselves. so it's time for us to build space in our lives, Sabbath space in our lives. Let's sing it together. Come on. Turn so if God is speaking to you, just stand where you are right now. Up on Jesus. look for in his wonderful face the things of earth will grow strangely dim Now, if you you are standing, what I want you to do is to cup your hands like this in front of you. Just make them like a little cup. This is just a a neat little exercise we're going to do. And I want you just to imagine in that cup is all of the things that you do. All of the things that you stress about. All of the pressures and all of that sort of stuff. And it's sitting there. They're all piled up in your hands right now. All of the things others say that you should do. right there and I want you to pray these words with me say Lord say it with me say Lord I repent of the things that I've done and all of these stresses and pressures all of this pace I give it to you and I won't take it back now, just do this. Just turn your hands open like this so that they're, they're facing, palms facing down like this. And just imagine that all of those cares are just dropping away. They've just fallen away, just, just clattered on the floor. Now, put your hands back in a little bowl for me, like this, the way you started. And say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. All that space that used to be filled with all of that junk, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit, Lord God. Just pray it out to him. Sing it out to him. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people here. We don't want to be too busy for you. We don't want to be too busy for life. Lord, we commit this time to you. We pray, Father, teach us. Teach us to build space in our lives. Teach us, Lord, to come down and to have time with you, Lord God. Teach us to reconnect. Teach us to remain. Teach us to abide, we pray. And fill us with your Holy Spirit, we ask. Just pray it out to him. Just say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let's all all stand together and sing.